Everybody, I'm Matt Castillo, and welcome into a new episode of the Next State of Mind podcast. Joined with me today, Chip Murphy, Danny Small is back. That's right, Danny. The <laughs> last time you were on a pod with me, I was telling you Nixon five. Ah, uh, it, it went clearly, the opposite way. Yeah, clearly went the opposite way. It but. clearly went the. I got the five part right though. You did, yeah. You, were, you right. were correct on the game, so half credit, half credit. And I tell you what, um. <laughs> I, I still, still just like cannot, I, I don't understand why they didn't throw, you know, Pinson in there. He was the Durant killer. He was getting ready like this. I just, I, I'm going to let it go, but I think that, yeah. that could have been very, very different. But, yeah, so that was that was know, exactly what was missing. The X factor, not yeah, Neil Aquina. It was yeah, yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> and of course I'm just, yeah, but, but Frank play. did play. He played what? Like, 2.7 seconds yeah, yeah. per game. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, no, no, I'm not, I'm not being serious. I never was serious with that. Uh, just having some fun. I haven't seen Danny in a while, so I, I, I've got to goof it off with him here. Like gotta I usually up. do. Exactly. Uh, but of course we are joined as well with uh, Jeffrey Campbell. So Jeffrey, thank you for joining us today on the pod. How have you been? Always, always a pleasure to be on with you guys, man. Any, anytime I get to chop it up, Nick style, um with the next state of mind dudes it's 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 a good day i've been good um back in in the schools and the school years nice. in full swing right now so we're just taking it one day at a time and i'm i'm, I'm happy to be you know just kind of back into the flow of things and a little bit of a routine right now so yes. it's yes. good for sure that is a good thing for sure now uh what we got today of course the next media day um we're kind of joking about this right because it doesn't feel like, I guess, a normal Nick media day over the last, I don't know, few years where there's something crazy that kind of comes about. It's been quiet, not much going on from it. To be honest, I didn't even get to see a whole lot of it. Uh, so I know you guys probably watch more than me. So I'm going to be the facilitator here, kind of feeding off you guys, uh, to be honest, with this episode. So, Danny, I'm going to start with you because we haven't heard from you in a while, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks media day. Uh, what stood out to you from the event? So I was double dipping a little bit yesterday with uh, the Knicks and Nets going on at the same time. And uh, obviously there was something going on with the Nets, which maybe we'll get into in a little bit later. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was yeah. a little bit Goodbye. bigger. There deal. was, Goodbye. there was something going on there, which <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we were joking about it. The Knicks media day was very ho-hum, very, you know, just matter of fact, you know, guys coming in. Hey, how are you? Like, didn't seem like anything crazy. Uh, but what I will say is my one takeaway, which this doesn't quite surprise anyone, but, you know, they really they and I, I just wrote an article about this. They rolled out the red carpet for Kemba, which was a nice thing to do. I mean, not that anyone was wondering if it was a position battle. But Derek Rose said, no, he's the starter. I'm coming off the bench. Like he basically said, you know, Kemba, this is your team. Um, obviously, Tibbs talked today. He seemed pretty happy about having Kemba. Uh, you know, R.J. Barrett was clearly pretty happy to see uh, see Kemba in the building. So I think like my biggest takeaway was just kind of how it was a good day for Kemba to kind of just, you know, he's home. He seems really excited to be here. 
I wouldn't say there was really any like out, out like quotes that stood out or anything, you know, major that anyone's looking at, like, Oh, wow. That's, you know, maybe tells us something for the season. Um, but I thought it was just, uh, you know, a nice day for him. Uh, and he had that in his intro presser, but this was just, you know, like a second, um, second wind on the, uh, the, the Kemba welcome. And one of the things that I did see uh, is with RJ Barrett. Um, one of the questions that I see that he was asked was uh, the, is he going to be the guy guarding the best player? And of course, you know, Bullock was the one mentioned that was his role last year, right? Like any, any key stretch or moment in the game, it was Bullock that was on that guy uh, trying to shut him down. And he did a pretty damn good job. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, he, I mean, he knows, uh, or he is known for being a, a defensive kind of player and did a pretty damn good job. But now he's gone. Who's going to fill in that role? People think it's RJ. Uh, Chip, what, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, RJ is going to step into that role from us, or is it going to be somebody else on the roster taking on the best player in key moments of the game? No, I think it's going to be RJ, I, at least at the start of the season anyway. But I think most likely, knowing Tibbs, it'll probably be whoever is playing the best defense that night and whatever the best matchup is. If RJ doesn't match up well with, just Danny mentioned the Nets earlier, if RJ doesn't match up well with, I don't know, James Harden, then RJ's not going to guard James Harden. Say, just maybe it's not true, but say Evan Fournier gives James Harden a tough matchup, then Fournier will go on James Harden and maybe they'll put RJ on Joe Harris instead. Like, that could happen. I don't know, but... I think most likely the best wing player on the other team will be guarded by RJ. I think that's just how it's going to be, and that's that's probably how it should be. I mean, RJ has all the skills to become a great defender. So, and he lo he looked that way at Duke, even when his Duke team didn't play any defense. He he had flashes of great defensive play there. So, yeah, he should be and I think wants to be the guy who takes on the challenge of guarding the other team's best player. So I, I think they'll they'll give that to him right away is my guess. Yeah. And something else that I've seen, I don't know if it was covered during the event, but I did see today uh, from, from Begley, and Jeff, I'll ask you this. Uh, you know, Begley was talking about uh, Noel. Uh, you know, we made some jokes last week, you know, about training camp videos and people get really excited about guys doing work in an empty gym, right? Like last year it was Mitchell Robinson who's shooting threes and making them in a wide open gym. And every Nick fan was going, Oh my God, this guy is going to take it to another level. Look out NBA. He's coming right. And never attempted to shoot the ball four feet away from the basket. Uh, but now Noel is saying that he has been asked to look out, uh, to extend out to the three-point line, take a few, you know, three-point shots. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that's something that Noel might – and, he, again, he's not taking four or five, but is that something Noel can add to his game? Do you think that's that's something that, uh, you know, something that can fit his game or, or at least and make him a little bit more valuable out there by extending the floor? I honestly don't know how efficient – or effective he'll be in that role. But what I loved about it is his comments to me were a symbol that internally, at least at an organizational level, they're really taking a look at what their strengths and weaknesses were and trying to identify a plan on how to improve in those areas. So 
we know that the Knicks actually shot the three ball decently last year, but they were pretty, they were low in terms of attempts. And I think it was even Derek Rose or, or one of the guards that said um, that, you know, we got to be putting up 37 to 40 a game. It doesn't mean chucking them. We, we still have to find the right shots. If you're open, you have to hit it. But Nerland's coming out and saying, listen, and whatever, my exit interview or, you know, the, t- the, the coaches told me in the summer, this is what I need to be working on. And to me, that's a sign that, you know, remember when Tibbs came here, the, the, con- the conversation was all about, can you teach an old dog new tricks? And is he going to be willing to um, adapt to the modern NBA? To me, he, he is. And this is a sign that, you know, he's, you know, a, a guy that, again, he doesn't want his team just like frivolously hoisting up three pointers, but he wants, you know, efficient shots at the corner, um, open looks. We've moved the ball around already. Um, and, and if I want, if I can just go on real quick and to me, what was like a real sign of, of this press conference and, uh, you know, I don't want to be too bullish on this, but to me, man, Tibbs, um, seems very much to me, like he's asserting himself almost as like the face of the franchise almost in, in some sense, because when I start to hear the players talk about. Um, they all have the same message. Everyone is like, we just have to get better every day. And Tibbs is talking about last year means nothing. We're going to focus on player development. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And to your point, we started this conversation talking about, you know, the Knicks were boring, right? But what have we seen in the past five to 10 years that a lot of the successful teams, regardless of the sport, are kind of boring in their in their media um you know, whatever outlets they have or, or situations, they all say the same thing. Right. And so we're seeing that with the Knicks and I, and I feel like Tibbs is it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just trickling down, you know, from leadership on down, which is great to see. And I think with Tibbs, just to piggyback off Jeff a little bit here, I think Tibbs we've seen wherever he went, it's very good early. And then it kind of fades a little bit. I think this is going to be, I mean, in a perfect world for the Knicks, he's there for 15, 20 years. They win championships, yada, yada. But putting that aside, I think it's more realistic that this is more of like a Chicago situation than Minnesota. Because Minnesota, it was like that right right away. Like they they kind of like got, got their shit together and they made the playoffs even, but it fell off pretty quickly after that. I think I don't think this is something where, you know, Knicks got their shit together. They made the playoffs as a four seed. And then this year it's going to collapse. It, I don't get that feel at all uh, from, you know, the moves they made in the off season, the draft picks they've been making, how they've been keeping their, their cap space in a good situation. Um, and like what Jeff said, how they've been buying into what Tibbs is selling in a big way. It seems like everybody on the team is in lockstep with one another. Whereas that was not the case in Minnesota, but it was in Chicago. So I think, obviously the early returns on Tibbs, like you couldn't even be, couldn't be happier about it. One of the other things I wanted to kind of touch on things that I've been seeing and, you know, hearing again, this coming from uh, Bagley, but talking about uh, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, they've been spending a lot of time together, according to uh, the, the tweet, some days going two a days, you know, working out, uh, in a place that doesn't have a whole lot of distract, uh, distractions is, is what they're saying. Uh, and 
what I kind of want to do with the, the, these two players here, and we'll go one at a time, but, uh, and it might be that it might be the same things. You've got something to add, whatever, but what is the expectation for both these players? What would you like to see from both these players in year two? Uh, and Jeff, I'll start with you on this one. When, when we hear that, first off, it's great that these two are trying to build that chemistry. They're going to be a part of that second unit together. Um, but from your perspective, what should we ex- expect for these two? What would you like to see in year two for both these players? Yeah, I'll start with Obi first, just because, um, you know, I, I think everybody, at least on this pod knows, I was a pretty big Obi guy coming out of college. And, um, you know, of course, all of the the negatives were there, the age, the the lack of hip mobility, defense was was obviously an issue. Um, I, I, I really, and I think we've seen it a little bit in summer league, you don't want to take too many conclusions from summer league and, and say he's going to, you know, have, have a breakout. But what I really want to see is, is more confidence from him. The biggest thing that I saw from Obi Toppin um, when I'm watching the games is that he'll get the ball at the top of the key and immediately look to pass it and set a screen for somebody else. And while I love that unselfishness about him, I really want to see him um, – I don't want to say demanding, but asserting himself in the offense as a, as a key contributor. And because he, he clearly had a role last (laughs) year and he did well in that role, but um, I I don't want to put a point number or a rebound number, but the biggest areas that I want him to improve in is just really knowing where he's going to get his shots on the court, taking them confidently and just living with the result. If you miss it, fine you know, get back on D, you know, do your job there and then come back. Um, and, and, and just kind of carrying himself that way. I, I really, I, I, it's funny, like with a guy who is in his twenties, when we drafted him, I actually still see him as somewhat of a project. I know that fans may not want to hear that. And that may not, um, you know, kind of lead itself to like a lot of optimism, but I actually think in two to three years, like there, there is a really good player in there. Um, but you know, he, he's, he's at the, he's at a point where he's clearly putting in the work and now it's just a matter of it translating to the court in terms of IQ. Um, I, I, I expect a lot from him. You know, the, 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 the only issue I'm going to have with IQ, not, not necessarily with him, but it's going to be a lot of our young guys is just because we've got, We've got a really good mix of vets and young guys here, but I'm very interested to see how Tibbs manages all of their minutes because at the guards position specifically, right? We've got Kemba, we've got Fournier, we've got Quickly, who's clearly going to play a lot. We've got Grimes, McBride. Um, You know, I I think that what I want to see from Quick is him developing more of a playmaking ability and skill than maybe he did in year one. He's clearly got that in his bag. I'm not saying he's a primary initiator or whatever buzzword you want to put on it, but I want to see him develop more in that role. He calls himself a point guard. So I I want to see that from him Um, because I think he can be really, really good. You know, that Quickly's first year was really impressive. And, um, you know, so I think that's, that's kind of what I want to see from him in year two. You know, and I'll jump into it next, you know, thinking, you know, starting off with Toppin, 
you know, I just want to see him obviously continue to build off of what he did at the end of last season, where you started to see a more confident topping. It was, it was pretty obvious the first chunk of the season when he was out there. Uh, you can see he wasn't too sure of himself. And it was obvious, like you can, you can spot that at times that he just seemed like he was out there and did not want to make a mistake. He was playing cautious and and robotic really at times. And then of course, you know, I think the trade obviously with Derek Rose turned out to be a great thing for him because you can see Rose was kind of orchestrating and pointing him where to be in certain spots and, and his play picked up. Um, I think, you know, and again, it's summer league, you, you can't take too much into it, but watching him in the summer league, he does appear like a guy that spent a lot of time putting in some work. Um, so all I can really ask and want to see from him in year two is just obviously just continue to, to move in the right direction. I maybe want to see a little less threes from him. I think sometimes he does fall in love with that three point shot and I just don't have him as a, a knockdown three point shooter. I'm not saying you can't take a three, because he's certainly capable of hitting one. I just felt like at times last year, that was the shot that he was looking to get and just settling for that three-point shot. I would like to see him uh, you know, get, get into a more high-percentage look for himself. And you know, maybe, maybe that means he is going to have to create for himself. I thought he did a pretty good job of that during the summer league. Um, you know, I would like to see, see that, you know, just – be a little not 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 go back to that robotic, you know, feel confident, be sure of yourself and, and just give those good quality bench minutes. Uh, you know, for quickly, I, I think it's something that will be interesting to see. You know, of course, the, the rule changes this year, right? Like they're they're gonna do the the non-shooting motion or whatever to you know, the the awkward shooting motion, whatever they refer to it as. Uh, you know, quickly draws a lot of those fouls, right? Like he's and it's hard to kind of stop doing that because you were getting those calls right and it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of players in the league i understand that trey young um but anyway uh you know it's i i seen in the summer league there were times that he was going off balance taking a shot and he was bumped and didn't get a call and he was kind of like well how is that not a foul it's because they're taking that away um i'm just interested to see how he adjusts from that and and again It'll be interesting to see how a lot of players adjust to. But, you know, I certainly agree with you, Jeff. I want to see him uh, in that point guard role. And, you know, early on preseason last year, early on in his minutes, uh, you know, he was a guy that was creating. And I I felt like he did a pretty decent job for that. But I know he can score. I know he has that floater in his bag. Um, But I just want to see him continue to develop as a passer as well and create for others. I think it's something that he is capable of doing. Um, so I'm excited for these, these two players coming into this year. But, uh, Chip, I'll, I'll toss it over to you. Yeah, as far as quickly, you guys, I think, hit the nail on the head there. I have similar expectations for him. I, I think he needs to – like Jeff said, he, he calls himself a point guard, so I think he, he needs to play more like a point guard a little bit, at least at times, and look for his teammates more. And he was doing that, I think, a lot more in the summer league he was playing like a point guard because mm-hmm. he wasn't playing with his, obviously as many good players and tried to play like a point guard and look like one. So I think he's definitely capable. So that's bit, that's mostly my main expectation is for him to play more like a point guard with, I don't know, I guess it, 
I'd like to another thing you guys did mention. I'd like to see him play. I don't know if they'll do this, but I'd like to see him play with Kemba. I think that would would be fun to see because just to see if Tibbs is willing to do like a weird lineup like that, like him with Kemba or I think the Kemba D Rose lineup is definitely going to happen, but I wonder if the quickly Kemba lineup is going to happen. I think it will. If Rose yeah. misses some time, you know, they're yeah. going to have to manage him at some yeah. point. It could be something they have to do for a couple of games or so. Absolutely. I, I want to see quickly, because obviously he's coming off the bench. I want to see him get minutes with Kemba. I want to see him get minutes with Fournier. And uh, I just, I think he needs to get minutes with the starters. And, uh, as far as Toppin, I don't really have any expectations for him just because I don't think he's going to play very much just because of, because of Randall. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets five minutes and I'm totally wrong. And I hope he sometimes plays with Julius Randall and I, I hope I'm wrong, but again, same thing. I would love to see him actually get minutes with the starters and get real minutes and get out there. But he plays the same position as the guy who led the league in minutes last year and led and is probably going to finish top three in the league in minutes this year. I just don't see any route to him not being a backup who averages less than 10 minutes a game. I'd, I'd be shocked. So, yeah, I'm, I'm coming up at the end here. So I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. Same with chip on top. And I'd love to see him, you know, at 20 minutes a game playing a, a like a nice complimentary role. But as we know with Tibbs, he's going to lean on Randall very, very much so during the regular season. So Toppin, I mean, it, hopefully they expand him a little bit, but that's, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm kind of in Chip's camp on that. And then with Quickly, I think we're going to see him at point guard because like I think Matt, you said before, kind of hinted at it. Rose and Kemba are not playing 82 games like they're not both those guys are not going to be playing the whole season and in that situation I think Tibbs would be more likely to you know let's say Kemba sits out a game or misses a couple games hypothetical here Rose would go into the starting lineup and then you would have quickly and Burks probably like as a tandem point guard duo because remember for a while there last year Tibbs like loved the the play Burks at point guard thing for a little while. So I wouldn't even rule him out there, but I think we'll, we'll definitely see more playmaking at it quickly. Cause I think rather than, you know, miles McBride kind of like jumping in and, and taking over as a point guard, if one of those guys goes down, I think Tibbs is going to be just much more likely to say, all right, shrink to shrink to rotation to nine and just have quickly or Burks handle second unit point guard duties. Um, I think that's just a more realistic option where they, you know, bump up Randall and uh, Barrett to 40 plus minutes a game, maybe Fournier and, and uh, Rose at 35 ish. So I just kind of seeing where Tibbs is at. I don't expect to see a ton of top in this year. I don't expect to see a ton of the rookies um, McBride uh, Grimes, Sims, any of those guys, just cause that's, it's the way Tibbs is and it's going to be tough to break through. But eventually, you know, injuries do happen. It's it's a fact of life in the NBA. So those guys could get an opportunity at some point, and they, you know, maybe maybe Grimes or McBride has a really great, you know, little stretch and kind of works their way in. But we know what Tibbs is at this point in his career. So uh, he's going to be leaning on his his rotation of I think about ten, and then depending on injuries, maybe eight or nine at times because that's Tibbs. 
he has his he has his guys in mind and he he sticks to them like we always say like Tibbs, but that's pretty much every coach in the NBA who does it yeah. that way. If you it, oh, it, def- down. it definitely is, but I think other coaches are a little more likely to uh, yeah. to more to flexible. get like yeah, get a yeah. get the you know the GM or the president say like, hey, maybe uh, maybe don't play you know our best player forty five minutes in a random January. Yeah, I, I think most GMs don't have to say that to their Exa- head coach, yeah, that, but that's true too. <laughs> that's true too. And, you know, we, we hinted to this earlier. Uh, there was the other side of this uh, press conference where there seemed to be a little bit more more storylines here. And, Danny, you, you said you were covering both or watching both and trying to, you know, follow and keep up with it. Um, I heard some things. Again, I, I did not get a chance to watch media. Day. My schedule has been packed with uh, my, my student teaching. I'm in my final semester for that. So I've been doing lesson plans and all these kind of different things. Um, so I did not get a chance to do it or, or pay attention much to it, but I heard some things out of Brooklyn. Uh, can you fill me in, Danny, on, on, on some of the highlights that in the Brooklyn Nets thing that I'm hearing and, and, and fill me in and, and, and kind of keep me up to date? Yeah, so obviously the biggest thing was David Letterman asked Kevin Durant how he got the nickname KD. So that was the only real takeaway I had from Brooklyn Nets Media Day. Now, Letterman's uh, beard is still yeah, glorious. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> that was great. But he Actually, he did a good job getting him with the Pelicans joke. KD yeah. clearly wasn't having it in the beginning, but he, he got a laugh. Um, but no, it was uh, Kyrie Irving was not at Media Day, mm-hmm. uh, but he did have a Zoom with reporters and obviously there's been a lot of stories out about the anti-vaxxers or, you know, whatever you want to call them in the NBA where uh, Kyrie, I wouldn't, wouldn't know if I would like ringleader is exactly like the right word to describe him, but he's the most prominent NBA player who is kind of out there and it's known that he's not vaccinated. And then you add on the fact that there's local guidelines in New York city where, he won't be able to play in home games if he's unvaccinated. Um, same thing goes for Andrew Wiggins, who is in San Francisco playing for the Warriors. Uh, and I didn't see his whole press conference, but I believe he said he's just not going to get vaccinated and just skip the home games. Was it? That's right. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. So Kyrie kind of left it a little open-ended. He said like something about he didn't want to put any limits on what the future might hold. So but that's what does open. that mean? Like that, I, that's so just I Kyrie being Kyrie. That's how Kyrie <laughs> talks. So he, yeah, because yeah, he said he said that he's um <laughs> he wants to keep it private. That's what he said. Yeah, I want to keep it private. Please respect my privacy. And okay, then so what that really means? He is said. He said, but there's no. Me until after training camp and preseason, then he said, then we'll talk. He's yeah. He said there's no there's no limits or something along those lines. So he at least kept it open ended. Um. Andrew Wiggins, I guess, did not. So Nets fans can, I guess, keep a little, little hold, hold out a little hope for that. But the Nets are also in San Diego right now, where there aren't vaccine guidelines. So that's where the training yeah, so, camp is. Yeah. So they 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 have a little bit of time um, to kind of figure the whole situation out uh, because right now, I mean, media day is usually a fun day, quirky day. There's jokes and everything. But this year was all about the vaccinations and everything. 
Um, you had Bradley Beal was another prominent guy who said he's not getting vaccinated, which means he doesn't play the Knicks or the Nets in New York. I'm okay year, with so that. That's a positive for both local teams um, and Toronto as well and Golden State. So, like, these guys who are choosing not to get vaxxed are essentially, like, punting on a few games uh, during the season. Um, and actually, I think D'Angelo Russell might be unvaccinated too. Cause he, he, yeah, he, he said tweeted, he tweeted Kyrie tweeted, is the goat or something. Yeah, he tweeted Kyrie is goaded, and everyone took Which that is, to mean that he was supporting him with his comments about you know vax and all that stuff and private life. So yeah, it's unclear with him, but there's ninety percent of the guys in the NBA are vaxxed right now. So yeah, 10, Michelle 10% Roberts are announced not. that. Yeah, and the NBA Players Association is pushing like very hard. Like it seems like, or putting their foot down, I would say on this where, you know, the vaccination stuff, they're not, they don't want the league to make it mandatory, uh, which that tells you something about the 10% who are not vaccinated, because if you know, prominent guys, Kyrie Wiggins, um, you know, possibly Russell Beal, these are uh, probably make up a good chunk of that are, you know, high level guys um, and not end of the bench guys, because I'm sure. You know, if you're the 15th, 14th guy on a, on a, the end of a bench, you get cut. Most guys, yeah, most guys yeah. are just gonna, you know, they're they're trying to stay, they're trying to stay with a job. So, um, obviously, like Kyrie and Wiggins and Beal, they have these big contracts. They don't necessarily have to worry about it. But it's one big can of worms, and wish we could just talk basketball. But obviously, that is hey, kind of can't. become it's this become the. the the story of uh, of training camp so far, yeah, and it's and and really anything else that like I said, you guys probably know a little bit more. Did we did we miss anything yeah. else that we should cover? Anything else that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, kind of- Jeff, Jeff, you live in New York, so you know about this firsthand. What do you think of it? Well, I think for you mean in terms of just like Kyrie, in terms of Kyrie pulling this like doing this saying i'm not going to get the vaccine while playing well, games in brooklyn I, I had two thoughts so i i like he's he's also pretty high up and and um you guys let me know if i'm wrong but he's vice president right now in the players union yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's high one of the, up yeah. so, one of the VPs. i know i saw i saw a tweet earlier from woge today that said that um I think there was some judge that would be pushing against the nba potentially making vaccinations mandated but that doesn't necessarily interfere with the state guidelines right where and and we're talking about um or the city guidelines for san francisco and new york um my honest opinion is i think Kyrie will eventually get vaccinated i don't i really don't think Mm -hmm. that he's going to um not play 41 home games and forfeit. I know Andrew Wiggins is going to potentially forfeit 8.9 million. And he had a pretty interesting line when asked about it. And he said, that's my problem, not yours. But so Kyrie, I, I really don't believe um, that he's going to punt on those games. And I, you know, I, I saw some tweet that came out that said, KD is going to be really on him. And, you know, he's eventually going to kind of succumb to that, um, whatever. But the other thing is, um, just from a uh, competition standpoint, like we all know this, right? Like the Nets got bounced by the Bucks, um, and 
you know, don't get me wrong, on paper, they are clearly head and shoulders above 100%, if not 99.9% of the teams in the NBA on a talent level alone. But we know based on the amount of games that their big stars missed last year that they they probably didn't play as well as they wanted to. And, and whenever you form these big three teams, um, they they typically take a year or so to gel. Like we saw that with the Heat. We saw that with other teams as well. Um, so if, if Kyrie is going to miss another 41 games and him and Harden and Durant as a trio are still fairly new, and still figuring out each other's games, which sounds crazy because, I mean, when they do play together, they look like a, a well-oiled machine and they look great. But um, that's going to affect how their team moves cohesively throughout this season and ultimately what what type of team they look like come playoff time. So, again, I don't know how that meshes with how strongly Kyrie feels about um, being vaccinated or not being vaccinated. I'm not sure what he's willing to sacrifice, um, you know, in, in the name of that. But my personal opinion, if you ask me to put money on it, I think he will be vaccinated when all is said and done and when it's time to play games. Yeah, I think he just likes being a contrarian. Yeah, I think, he, I think what everyone's saying, like he just – likes being different and this is mm-hmm. him taking it to another degree and it's just it's so irresponsible it's bigger it's bigger than basketball and you look at we mentioned d'angelo russell earlier and him saying that when he has carl anthony towns on his team who lost his mom to covid just insane yeah, and for Kyrie to say i'm not going to get vaccinated with every everyone so many people losing their lives in New York and New Jersey and this area. Like I just don't understand why he wouldn't get vaccinated. It's just insane. It's so irresponsible. Like, okay, yourself, you won't get vaccinated, but all the, the people who you could possibly harm by not getting vaccinated, but you don't give a shit about them. Really? Like you walk into an arena, just unvaccinated. Do you not remember the Rudy Gobert thing? Like (laughs) what he did. Do you not remember that shit? Come on, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, typically on this, this situation, you know, I'm the kind that I'm vaccinated, right? Like, and I I know we're not trying to get into a politics side of it and all that stuff. I don't have a problem with it. No, it's just politics. It's just human decency. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) And my thing is, when I say that is honestly, though, if somebody doesn't want to, it typically doesn't bother me, but I think for, this situation it's a little bit different right like they're going to be traveling the cities they're 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 like you pointed out the rudy gobert thing this this kind of stuff can shut down the league right like you know this 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 can potentially if things get even worse you know so i i in the end i think he's going to get it i think this is just again Kyrie. just oh look at me i'm going to be difficult um basically could be his reason not showing up to training camp or preseason games because Kyrie's above that. He, 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 I mean, and his, he doesn't need to be there. I, I th- yeah. and he'll, when the season comes down, he'll be there. Yeah, yeah. The, the one, yeah, the one thing I'll just add, agreeing with, with kind of everything you guys are saying here is, you know, we've seen Kyrie do stuff like this in the past. I mean, he took a, you know, what, a two week sabbatical last year. Um, 
yeah, he's he was kind of in and out of Boston sometimes, just like where his head was at. People were always questioning that. Like, there's always like kind of some kind of drama going on. But when Kyrie is healthy and he's on the court, he's a stud. Like, he's one of the best players in the world, and especially alongside two other guys where he's almost, you know, the third option where, you know, he's not seeing the best defender every night. Like, I think I agree with you guys. I think he'll eventually get it. He'll be on the court and, you know, then we'll just have to wait for the next, uh, the next, whatever it is with him. And like, you guys know, I I love Kyrie. Like, I mean, it's exhausting to cover him and try and keep up with like everything's going on. But when he's on the court, he's he's one amazing. Of my, he's yeah. one of my favorite players to ever watch play the game of basketball. Like, but he's the just, whole he's that smartest... he's that exciting and he's that good offensively. But yeah, everything else about it can be you know exhausting. Yeah, I'm a the Duke whole... fan, so I I want to mm. root for him more than anyone. And it's right. so he does so many good things, and you're like, yeah, so many things that you love about the guy off the court, and then it's just like he does some things where you're like, what are you doing? It's it, and you know, your your situation is different. You're all over the country all year long. You're in big yeah. groups. You need like yeah. you're someone who needs to be vaccinated. It's like your situation's different. How do you not get that? It's like ah, yeah. he's, you, he's, he's such just an a enigma. frustrating guy. He's, like, he's such an enigma because he does he does do like a lot of good things in the community. He donates a ton of money. Like he donates his time to like worthy causes and stuff like that. So it's like. You have that. And then with the media stuff, like he's, you know, he won't talk to the media or he's not doing this. I'm not doing that. But then on the other side, like you sometimes can almost sympathize with him because you'll have, you know, like the first take guys and, you know, guys on, you know, Shannon Sharp or, you know, Skip Bayless, like just making things up about him. And, you know, like, oh, I heard that Kyrie believes that, you know, like there's a giant dragon who controls the world. Like, did you like I see I see both sides to like some like the 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 again the enigma that is Kyrie like because you can sympathize with him at certain times and you can like support him and say like wow he's doing a lot of good things but then other other times it's just like unnecessary drama and yeah I don't know and he like, wants to keep things private but he made himself the center of attention <laughs> on NBA media day and he knew he was going to do that like yeah. so it's hard to sympathize with him when he knew that was going to happen yeah. like come on uh, and I, I always kind of refer to Kyrie because I agree with you guys 100%. I love him as, as a player, and, you know, he's somebody that's so exciting to watch. But I, as Charles Barkley says about him, there's times that he thinks he is the absolute smartest guy in the room. You know what I mean? Nice. And he just, he, you know, and it's a little head-scratching. And like I said, personally, at the end of the day, whatever people decide, that's their business. I don't really give a crap. I'm only worried about myself, but – in this aspect there there's it would make sense it, it does um and i do think he'll get it i i do i i don't know if it's an attention thing i don't i don't know he uh, as danny i think you said enigma i mean he he's something else he's a character mm. he's, he's just that's that's just what it is i'm the just, opposite uh, yeah I'm the opposite of Kyrie. When I walk into a room, I think I'm the dumbest person in the room. Oh, I know I'm the dumbest. Though. Like that's that's a given. I'm like I'm the dumbest. I, I mean, I I'll, I have no problem admitting that, you know. So I mean, I'm a Jet fan. Hello, <laughs> yeah. I make bad choices. Yeah, we make really really. We all, bad yeah, choices. we all make a few bad choices here and there. <laughs> yeah, but 
Uh, anything uh, else before we wrap it up? Last call. Anything anybody wants to add uh, before to, we wrap it up? My bad, Matt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I wanted to oh, throw one, one thing out there. Um, it, it goes back to the Knicks. Year three RJ, man, is, is probably one of the most um, interesting storylines that are out there for the orange and blue. And I really wanted to ask you guys what you kind of think of um, what his year is going to look like. And, and the reason I'm asking that is because if, if, he, if we kind of uh, project his career based on being drafted third in the NBA, and if, if we think he can be a star or a superstar-like talent, um, most of those guys have a pretty high usage level um, and a usage rate. And, I, and I'm wondering what this year is going to look like for RJ because, you know, the, the ball is going to be in Fournier, Kemba, and Julius's hands a lot. And RJ is clearly a focal point of this team. But I, I almost wonder, um, like, if he's not getting that high usage rate on some level, how does that affect our projection of him in terms of what his ceiling could be? Um, and I'm not trying to kill RJ or, or, or make it a negative conversation about him, but I'm always interested to see, like, what do we really think he can be? What do we really think he can be on this team? Um, and how does that affect him going forward? What do you guys think about that? So you're, bas- you're asking, like, how does the addition of Kemba and Fournier affect RJ then? Yeah, but right. R- RJ this year, but also RJ going forward. In the future? Well, Fournier doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective because he's such a great shooter off ball. So he's not going to take shots away from RJ. And Kemba just makes guys better because he's such a great pick and roll player. Even now, as his game's declining, that's still one of his best assets. And he's a great pull-up shooter too. And he can shoot off the catch too, I feel like. And I I, I don't think either one of those guys is going to – I think they'll both make RJ better. But I I think you're – oh, sorry, go ahead. But one, my bad, my bad. One thing, I, Chip, I want to ask, though. Let's say, right, because RJ's shooting numbers were mm-hmm. absolutely great last year, right? Like he made right. leaps and bounds in terms of his three-point percentage, and I, I, I can't say field goal percentage, but but maybe that, maybe that too. But if he's going to potentially take less shots this year, and if you can kind of – like my personal opinion, I could be wrong on this – I think the shooting was a little bit of an aberration. Not that yeah, I don't think yeah. I think you're probably shoot, right. I but think I you're probably think statistically right. it's an outlier. So if he's going to take less shots, I can't expect him to be as efficient. Um, and then I wonder how that affects him down the line. You know, it's just in kind of that sense. Like I almost feel like he's got to be a, a above average role player on this team. That might sound crazy, but I almost feel like that, that may be kind of what he ends up kind of looking like. Mm, it I, could be, it could, it might depend on the scenario where like, I think it's just going to depend on the game. Like there could be games where Kemba's going off or there could be games when Fournier is capable of having like a wild 30 point game every once in a while. But I think it could be a good thing that RJ's three pointers uh, go down. Because he needs to take more pull-up threes. Because that that was one of his biggest weaknesses. He's kind of, I don't know if I'd say perfected the catch-and-shoot uh, three, but he's taken that to a well above average level. Yeah, he's he's 
He's solid at that. I think the catch and shoot or the pull up three is the next one. I think he needs to take more of those. So I think taking fewer threes wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because the Knicks as a team need to take more, which means Fournier needs to take more than him. Kemba needs to take more than him. You know, so obviously Burks needs to take more than him. Uh, I think there's there's guys on the team who should be taking more threes than him. But I think if if his threes go down, ideally his percentage goes up. But like you said, it I mean outlier three point season. I think a lot of guys you could say that about in the NBA last year. Like I don't expect Julius Randle to shoot a billion percentage uh, (laughs) on his pull up threes again next year. That was crazy. The the percentage he shot in his pull up threes. So many guys had that. Remember the. Remember the Gary Trent bubble, the TJ Warren bubble? Guys were going crazy Great. last year. It's, it's nuts. I think a lot of people are going to have a regression next year. A lot of guys got paid off that wild season. It's going to be a, it's going to be a weird year next year. But I think RJ's a legit catch and shoot three point shooter. Next year is the year of the RJ pull up three. I'm going to be interested to see how that looks next year. Yeah, and I, and I think even if like in the scoring aspect of it even if he drops a little bit a couple points per game that's okay with me as long as what we talked about earlier if what if he takes that bigger step as a defender right then then you're still giving a crap load of value yeah you're still contributing scoring double digit figures uh but now you're able to take on somebody's best offensive player and kind of slow him down or release make them work extra harder for it. I think, I think that's something that can be, if it's, if it's points drop, you know, I, which I don't, I think they stay around the, the same that it is. They might go down a point or two, but uh, I, you know, if that happens, I'm looking forward to the defensive challenge for them. That's what I want to see. That's my thoughts on that. But I'm pretty you know, bull. I'm pretty we'll bullish on, on RJ going into this season. Cause I think, he was really good catch and shoot last year. And like, I know you guys are saying you think it's an anomaly or an aberration, but I mean, he, he really only took like open and wide open threes last year. So I think he, his his shot selection was very smart. I don't think that's going to change. And I think he's going to get more of those open looks with, you know, like, like Chip is saying, these guys who complement kind of his game can open up the space for him. Um, And I just think, I think with, with RJ, I think the Knicks, can only reach their ceiling this year if RJ is their second best player. I think Randall is obviously the engine. He's the main guy. And I mean, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm dis- discounting Kemba a little much, um, but I just think he's getting a little bit, a little bit older there. I think they need RJ to be, you know, the number two option and kind of the guy. And I think having the, you know, Kemba having Fournier around them, around him will kind of lend itself to seeing if he can, take that next step and be, you know, a, a real number two star. And I think the defensive thing is part of it. I'm just, I'm kind of focusing on the offense here, but I think that's kind of, that's the, the secret sauce for the Knicks. If they're going to be like a legit, you know, team you have to look out for in the playoffs. If that's, if that's the case, I think it's because it's Randall is the number one and you have Barrett taking a big step forward. If they're another team where it's like, Maybe they'll win the first round series, but that's maybe that's about it. I think it's because, you know, Barrett kind of gets, I don't want to say like pushed out of the limelight by Kemba and Fournier, but it's not quite like 
there's a clear number two. It's more there's Randall and then there's, you know, a nice supporting cast underneath them. I think they need Barrett to take that next step. Yeah, a lot rides on RJ becoming a consistent 20 to 22 point per game score mm-hmm. next year. And 20 is hard. It's hard to go from yeah. 17 to 20. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard to do. It's not. It's I mean, it, you look at it and you're like, what, three points? But yeah, that's uh, 20 point per game score in the NBA. You're you're a legit score. Yeah. 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 No, I, and I'll save it because I, I I know we'll have some previews and things like that. But I got some stuff, some things that I've been hearing about RJ from other perspective that I think you guys will find very uh, very entertaining. Well, um, I'm not gonna like it. it, it no, yeah. it's not like I. I'll just say this because I'm not gonna talk. Like I said, I'll, I'll save it for another episode. But I was on campus. I had a class, and you know, and. I was going to uh, the Boarheads, you know, deli section to get me a, a occasion turkey sandwich, which, by the way, is just absolutely amazing. Just, just, yeah, gotta have the boar's head. Gotta have it before this class, right? And I'm in line, and and the basketball team is in front of me, so I'm like, God, this is gonna suck. I'm gonna be here a minute because they're ordering food now. Uh, but they were talking about guys in the leagues and teams in the league, and they got onto the Knicks, and I was this creeper that was joining in conversation at this point. Like I'm listening to it, just going, Oh my God. Oh my God. What the heck are they talking about? Now they got to the Knicks and they started some blasphemous stuff with RJ Barrett. And that's when I drew the line. And I was that weird guy that joined in their conversation. They were not looking for me to join in their conversation. I know, but I did. I'll save that story for another. I just want you guys you, to remember that and keep that in mind. Are you sure okay? this was online for a sandwich and not on this Twitter? Is, this is online. I'm pretty like, sure that they, I've seen that. I've seen that argument on Twitter about 7,000 times. I hope that these this guys play basketball better than their opinion on basketball. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. You know, it, 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 I'll leave it there. Wait till you guys hear this when we yeah. get a little preview, uh, you know, going and, and the RJ disrespect and, and things like that. So, How was the sandwich, though? Most important. Yeah, that's oh. much again. Yeah. Let me that's tell the you. real question. Let me tell you that that sandwich is worth waiting 35 minutes in line for. Okay. <laughs> I, I think is amazing. I go every Tuesday. I did not get to go today. Uh, you know, I, I had to, I had to finish printing out stuff. And again, all these assessments that I have to do, um, you know, but it's something that I'm going to miss this week. Like I'm considering going after I get out tomorrow to just get this. It's my like ritual once a week. I need it. Or I get very angry. It's that good. I can't describe it. It's heaven. That's it. Or said, it's the best. Take my word for it. It's the best. It's, it's great. It's great stuff. Uh, but I'll leave it there. We'll wrap it up for the next state of mind podcast. Uh, my Yankee games coming on big series against the blue Jays. Um, Perfect world. I'm not going to lie. I would like the Yankees, obviously, to take the the top wild card at this point. Um, and I'm not saying I would want either or, but it would just make me feel better if the Red Sox missed the playoffs somehow, some way. It would make me feel really good. It's just just to laugh at them, you know. I know. I mean, Toronto is a pretty darn good team. So if I have a perfect world, they somehow have a collapse too, and like Seattle gets in or something like that. I'd like Don't, to beat the Red Sox in the wild card. I yeah, mean, I'll take that, like too. that too. But then, yeah. but but them missing the playoffs is always just something great. It always but makes me laugh. Think think of this: you get you beat the Red Sox in the wild card. You beat the Rays in the ALDS. You beat the Astros in the ALCS. Oh. And, then, and then you get like the Dodgers or somebody, uh, you know, in the in the World Series. 
I'm not saying that's going to happen, obviously, right. but that is, and I was, I've been saying this for like months. That's the dream scenario. You take out like all of your rivals from the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. And G Carl Stanton, do you, it's only taken you like four, and you showed me a little bit last postseason. Yes. But it's only taken you four years to arrive. No, he was You're great. Beautiful, year beautiful one. Man. He was Keep great. Year one. You're crazy. He's, this no, is no, not, no, the, no. this is not the first no, time no, he's been no, good no, in the Yankees. No. He's been no, good for I a know, long he time. Goes through, he goes through hot streaks. Like he's, that's a power he's hitter, baby. That's I, a power I hitter, that. baby. I get, that. I get that. But this is by far the most production he's given in a season. Oh yeah. By, by far. That's, yeah, no, that's no, what I mean. This is his first, his first year was really good, but. Yes, but this year yes. he's been back. But it meant nothing. Yeah. But it meant nothing. Yeah, it meant no, That's what I'm saying. Like this is the first year that I'm going. That's the guy I expected to see. Like mm-hmm. that. That he's a beautiful, beautiful man, and he needs to keep doing it. And Just the crazy, the crazy thing is, like Stan's playing better now, but Judge, his season, he's like, no, he's not going to yeah. win MVP, obviously. But well, Judge is my been, guy. He's like, been I've a, never he's seen been anything better than Judge at all. He yeah. could be in an 0 for 30 slump, and I the, don't The care. two of those guys, Judge and Stan, their, their numbers are, like, almost yeah. identical. It's, yeah. it's now, insane uh, now. I think I think him playing outfield is, like, the best thing where he's just not thinking about his hitting. He's mm-hmm. going out. Ever since he's been playing out in the outfield, it's been, like, MVP type. You call Stan, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It makes oh, Aaron yeah. Boone look a little bit smarter in my eyes, <laughs> just a little bit. And I like Aaron Boone. I do personally, not so much as my manager. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. Doesn't I know say like, why do you like Aaron Boone? I, I, I just don't like him as a manager. I just don't. I think he's like, he's like a, a yes man. Like if Brian Cashman goes down there and says, hey, do this opener. We're, we're going to do an opener and then put in J.A. Happ. Yeah, they he should went, fire okay. both of them. That's how, yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how 90% of baseball teams are now. Though. I hate it. GM, I would, GM I, makes I, a lineup. No. GM, GM tells the guys what, what he wants. Like that's, I would laugh in his face. There isn't, there isn't any more Then you'd never get the job. There ain't more, there ain't too many Buck Walters <laughs> out there anymore. Buck Walters, <laughs> idiot. So, <laughs> well, he's well that, maybe that's why there aren't many Buck Walters out there anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I know I, I took this and went in a different direction. But uh, yeah, would you wrap it up? And- oh, I thought we already wrapped it up. I thought- yeah. <laughs> oh no, we're still we're still recording. I thought we were done. No, I just let it run. We just we just got into Yankee talk. I'm just just letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll you know we'll end the recording here and be back with another yeah. episode of the next day. Recording has ended. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>